Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. This week, we're going to learn through Pastor Dave's teaching that obedience to God's purpose will bring you significance and meaning in your life. And now, for this week's message. Okay, if you have your notes, let's go to purpose and obedience. As you know, we've been in a series this past month talking about purpose, devoted to purpose. The entire year, our theme has been to be devoted. And we want to be devoted to what our purpose is, what the vision is for our life. If you missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back, get it on the podcast because we build on each lesson. And today we're going to be building on what we talked about last week. You know, we have been designed with a purpose. None of us are here by accident. We're, we're not, uh, you know, God didn't say, well, I'll just make this one for fun. Everybody's got a purpose and a plan for their life. Uh, there's no extras. If you go in the movie industry, sometimes they say, well, have extras. There's no extras in God's plan. Uh, there's a term, I don't like it, but there's a term I remember from the construction world. It's called scab labor. They're just kind of, they're, oh, we just call them if we need to. Nobody is like that in God's kingdom. Everybody's got a place. Everybody's unique. The very fact that you're here this morning is proof that you're needed in God's grand scheme of things. Every bird has a purpose. Every tree has a purpose. Every star has a purpose. Much more so, you have a purpose. God is the creator. He's the designer. He designed you. You're unique. And the way we find out what our purpose is, is we have to go back to our creator and say, what did you design me for? That's a question everybody asks. What am I here for? Where do I fit? What are my gifts for? Or what are my gifts? Where do I belong? We ask those questions. And God doesn't hide it from us. He hides it for us. He wants us to discover it. And what we're made of and how we're made determines what we can do with our life, the vision that we can have for our life. And when you get that piece nailed down, here's my purpose, here's how I'm designed, then we can say, okay, now with that, I'm going to do such and such with my life. God will give you the desires of your heart. The verse that we used last week was, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now that doesn't mean, oh, okay, I'm delighting myself in the Lord, I think I'd like to have this, or I'd like to have that car, or I'd like to have that cruise, or I'd like to have such and such. That's not what that verse is talking about. It's talking about when you sync up with God, when you, when you link up with him, if you like, he downloads to you the, the, the vision, the cause that he has for your life. And when he does that, You delight in that. You say, oh, Lord, I want to run with that. So today we want to talk about being obedient to the purpose and the vision that God has for our life. Last week we had this verse, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, write the vision and make it plain, that those who read it may run with it, and though it tarries, it will speak. And there's something about writing down what God has for your life, putting it in front of you. And one of the reasons we need to do that is because stuff happens in life where you're going, oh, God, are you sure you said that to me? Like, I am really going through some rough waters right now. Are you sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? But if we've written it down in the storms of life, that will keep us going. That points the direction. It's a compass for our life. It says in that verse, though it tarries, wait for it, it will speak. That word speak is an interesting word. It means in the Hebrew to It's breath, to breathe, to blow, and it's used in kindling a fire. And you keep putting oxygen on it, and you keep blowing oxygen on it, and it keeps it alive. And for some of us this morning, maybe 
what we have in our heart has gotten cold or maybe the, the fire's gone out and God needs to put fresh life into it. It's powerful to write it down and to keep it in front of you. That was really last week's message. Today I want to talk about how we can be obedient to our purpose. I give you a definition for success there in your notes. If you want to refer to your notes, success. Now there's a lot of definitions for success. If we went out on the street today, it would be a good exercise. You could, we could go out on the street and we could do a little street survey. Uh, Landry and the team sometimes did these streeters. We'd go out there and we'd do street surveys. And this would be a fun one to do, go out there. What is your definition of success? How many know we get a lot of different answers for what success is? But today I give you a unique definition. Success is obedience to God's purpose and the vision for your life. Really, that's what success is. What is success? I was obedient to what God called me to do. This was what Paul said to King Agrippa. He said, I, have been not, I was not disobedient to my heavenly vision. God called me. He's before King Agrippa. He tells a story. You know, Paul was designed with a unique purpose. He, had, he was designed with some unique capabilities. One, he was an amazing entrepreneur. We know that he was a tent maker by trade and he could build a business. We know that he was an amazing communicator. He stood on Mars Hill and communicated. He wrote books. He's an amazing writer. So he's a skilled communicator. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's an organizer. And the early part of his life, even though he was studied, he was smart, he used that those designs, those skill sets against the church. When Stephen was martyred, he was standing there overseeing it, watching the coats. But later on, God would arrest his attention and said, your design is not for that. Your vision is not to persecute the church. Your vision is to actually build the church. And God arrested him and said, I'm sending you out to share this gospel. This is your cause. This is what you're supposed to do with what you're designed to do. And he tells King Agrippa this story. And with great confidence, all that he's been through, he's been in prison, he's been shipwrecked, he's been through all this stuff. He says, I have not been disobedient to my heavenly vision. I have gone through some stuff in my life, but I have stayed committed to my heavenly vision. I've stayed committed to my cause. And really, that's where we want to be one day, because that's success. At the end of our life, I've stayed committed to what you put in my heart to do, God. That's success. I put a quote in your notes there from an author by the name of Miles Monroe. He wrote a book called In Pursuit of Purpose. And in there he said, success has very little to do with what you accumulate, possess, or achieve. In our world today, that's often how we measure success. We look at that person and we say, well, if I get there, then I'll be successful. If I have that, do that, know this person, then I'll be successful. He says it even has less to do with other people's opinion and their assessment of you and your accomplishment. Success can be defined by purpose and measured by obedience. That's a powerful statement. Galatians 1.10, Paul said this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You can't be sold out to God and trying to live to please everybody at the same time. Actually, you know what? It's so much easier just to live for the audience of one than trying to please everybody. It's really difficult to live for the approval of people. And I don't know... Maybe I, maybe I should be transparent this morning, but I sometimes wrestle with the approval of people. Uh, I know none of you would wrestle with that, but I, I wrestle with it. And I'll give you an example. You know, I, I'm not on a lot of social media, but I do Instagram. And, and I hate to admit this, but I'll take a picture of Instagram, and I'll go back and check it through the day and see how many likes I got on it. <laughs> I know you wouldn't do that, but I'll go back and I check it. And then my friend will have a picture, and it's kind of the same thing, and they got more likes than I do. Oh, what's wrong with me? And, or I'll have, a, 
I'll take a picture of one thing, and that had more likes than the other one. Well, how come they didn't like this one? And so under the, underlying there, I'm just confessing to you, I, I wrestle with the approval of people. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that Paul challenges me with Galatians 1.10, live for the approval of God, not for the approval of men. And, uh, and that'll keep you on track for your purpose. Because if you live for the approval of man, you can't accomplish what God put in your heart to do. You'll get sidetracked. Success, like I mentioned earlier, is obedience to God's purpose and the vision for your life. Now, obedience requires things. We're just going to go through four things simply this morning. Number one, it requires trusting God with all your heart. There is your memory verse for the week. If you're on the platinum program where we measure one verse a week, then this is your verse. And you probably have already heard this verse or maybe you've already memorized a verse. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with... Some of your heart. No. No, that wouldn't work. Trust the Lord with all your heart, right? And lean not on your own understanding. When we're following God's purpose and the vision for our life, we really have to trust Him with all our heart. Because at times our understanding says this doesn't make sense. God, I feel like you're leading me this direction, but boy, it really doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. Or I don't know how this is going to work. I'm concerned to what other people are thinking about me because all my friends are doing this and, and you're asking me to do this. I'm, I'm not sure. And that's where we trust God with all our heart. When we left the oil industry to go into ministry, we really had to lean on our heart, not our own understanding. Because there was a lot of people, even family members said, what are you doing? Now they say it's brilliant, but back then they thought it was crazy. And that's the way of it. A lot of times later on people come along and say, oh, that was a great idea. But at the time, you're really wondering. So you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean we don't use our understanding. It just means in spiritual matters, because purpose is a spiritual matter. You are spiritually designed and you discern it spiritually. Intellectual matters, yes, use your intellect. Even with spiritual things, Watchman Nee, great Chinese theologian, said this, we're led by our spirit and you prove it with your mind. Later on, your mind will catch up. But in following God, trust him with your heart. Later on, it will make sense to you. But just go all in. Okay, God, I trust you. It will be a radical step of faith. And you'll be wondering, oh, is this right? But just focus on him. Focus on his word. It's going to be okay. Then let's read the rest of the verse. In all your ways, in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him. And what? He will direct your paths. We all want that. We often pray for direction. Oh, Lord, do I go this way or do I go that way? Do I take this step or that step? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your paths. Yeah. Boy, you know, the early service, I got stuck here on this verse. And I think I'm going to get stuck in the same verse again. Because it just won't leave me alone. And I, so I've got to go there. And I, I don't know who this is for, but it was for somebody in the 930 service. It must be for somebody in this 11 o'clock service as well. It says here, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, in all your school ways and all your work ways, and all your relationship ways, in all your ways. And so I shared with the earlier service that all your ways includes your sex life. In all your ways, acknowledge you. In all your ways. Well, no, 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 Lord, I'll acknowledge you in this way, and I'll acknowledge you this way, 
But when it comes to this stuff, no, I get to do it my way. I, see, this is really counterculture because we live in a world that says, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I, I get to define this myself. But God says, no, no, in all your ways, acknowledge me. I had an interesting experience a number of years ago. I don't know what I got talking on, but downstairs here in the entrance, one of the ladies came up to me and she says, can I have a word with you? And I knew the way she looked at me, like she, she was agitated. And uh, so she came up and she says, you know, are you trying to tell me, if I'm understanding you right, are you telling me that my sex life needs to be put on hold till I get married? Is that what you're telling me? I said, well, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> but God does have a high standard for it because he really, really values it. Something that you value highly has high standards, and so he has high standards for it. So, yes, this is what God has outlined for us. And she just looked at me and she said, I'm going to have to go home and think about that. Because <laughs> we live in a culture, and a lot of us are first-generation Christians. We live in a culture, and, we, and it's really shocking to us that God has a specific standard for this. And we kind of like, oh, you know, maybe we need to talk more about it in church instead of less. But God has a specific standard. He has ways for that part of your life as well. So I don't know why it's coming out. It was not in the notes. It didn't come up in the prep time, but it's coming up in the service time. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Surrender. And sometimes that's one of the things we just want to hold on to. No, 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 I get to keep doing that my way. Surrender is surrender. We shared, I think it was the week prior, that we all have a universal purpose. We have unique purpose, and finding that unique purpose comes when we surrender to our universal purpose. We're all created to worship God. Man's created to worship. To study the world, people worship stuff. Well, we're designed to worship God, to surrender to Him. And when you surrender to Him, your unique purpose comes to light. You're designed to walk in light, You're not, in love. You're not designed to hate. You're not designed for bitterness. You're not designed for unforgiveness. You're designed to walk in love. Walk in love and your purpose comes to the surface. When it's all about you, you can't find out what you're made for. You're designed for family. In the family of God or your physical family, you'll find your purpose has come to surface. But going back to that first one, and I, I like the song that Brad introduced earlier about surrender. When I surrender to him, when I get on my knees, and I just surrender to him, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender all my ways to you. When I surrender, in that place, my unique gifting comes to light. Well, I, I don't know if I want to do that. I, like, I'll surrender this department. Uh, usually one of the last things we surrender is our wallet. It's the first thing to go if we don't surrender. We, so we're, we're, but when we surrender all, that's when God reveals our purpose. When it's not about me, when I'm walking in love, so many people, they found out, oh, that's what I meant to do. Especially if a disaster comes, they get out serving, helping other people. I'll say, wow, that's my gift. I didn't realize that's what it was. But it's when we're not thinking about ourselves that our, our purpose comes to light. I got to get going because I'm sidetracked on the first point. But you got that point, I think. All right. Oswald Chambers, a great quote for you there. You cannot think through spiritual confusion to make things clear. To make things clear, you must obey. 
In intellectual matters, you can think things out. But in spiritual matters, you'll only think yourself into further wandering thoughts and more confusion. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There's a reward for being obedient. But notice it says, if you're willing and obedient. You know you could be obedient and not willing. Okay, if I really have to, I'm going to do it. If you make me, I'll do it. That's not willing and obedient. Okay, God, if I really have to, and you grumble and complain, that's not willing and obedient. If you're willing and obedient, it's like, God, I trust you. If you say to do it, all right, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Let's go do it. Willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. All right, number two. If I, I give you an example. I didn't get a chance to go into it, but I think Abraham is a guy who trusted God with all his heart, and you can study out his life. Hebrews talks about it. Genesis talks about going to a place he didn't know, just trusted God all his heart. Number two, we have to persist through the challenges. When we're obeying God, there will be challenges that come our way, and we have to keep going. We have to persist through the challenges. And I have a verse there for you, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 26, that Paul says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? We're all running in a race. Paul said, I finished the course. You have a lane. We're all running in a race. Like I said, there's no extras. There's nobody sitting on the bench, and we're going to sub you in later. We all have a race. We're all running. Everybody runs. Don't you realize everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. What's the prize? The prize is when you have done what God calls you to do. Is there a prize? Oh, yeah. When I get to heaven, will there be an award? Oh, yes, there will be. One day, we'll stand before God, and he'll say, what did you do with the life that I gave you? He said, well, what if I didn't do anything with the life you gave me? Well, you'll be saved, but all your works will go up in smoke. It'll be tested by fire. But if, you've, if you have run the race, and if you've done, if you've been obedient, there is an, a reward coming. And Paul was running. He was disciplining himself for that. He says, so run to win. Run to win. Put, put energy into your faith. Put energy into running for Christ. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Do you know how many basements, storage lockers are filled with trophies that one time were on a shelf? And then you move to the next place and you put it on the shelf. And then you move to the next place and nobody even noticed it. And so you took that little trophy and you, you put it and you put your sales trophy in a box somewhere. And then you put it in storage and you moved it from one storage to another. And, and now it's sitting in an attic somewhere. It fades away. But there is... An award coming that will be for all eternity. Oh, yeah. Paul says here, run in such a way, this prize will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, look at this, verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. Every step I take, every step is a reflection of what I'm designed for, what God's called me to do. This guy's focused. He's focused. He's focused. Some of us in a service say focus is a challenge. Oh, oh, boy, I'm back in the game. (laughs) Focus, every step, focus. To live that way, passionate. What could we do? But that's for somebody else. They're unique. They got purpose. They got vision. Folks, you have purpose. You have vision. You're unique. You're needed. There's something in your life that's bigger than you are. And it's your thrill to discover it. And whatever you do, don't compare yourself to somebody else's vision. You are you. You be you. 
Go, baby, go. <laughs> Your success is you just did what God called you to do. And then it's, the pressure's off. You don't live for the approval of others. I know this is what he's called me to do. Jesus is the best example of this. He finished his race. He set his eye on the cross. He went there. At the end, he said, it is finished. You hear Jesus saying stuff like this, for this cause was the Son of God manifested. For this reason I'm here. And I think in our life, there's times we make decisions. We say no to good to choose best. No, for this cause. I know God's put a heart in me. I'm designed to teach, and I have a vision to be the best public school teacher in Vancouver, and I'm going to, this is my cause. Or maybe your cause is a doctor. Maybe your cause is to be a housewife or uh, raising up children. Maybe your cause, whatever it is, you're saying, God, no, this is my cause. This is where I serve. Boy, we've we've talked to some parents over the years and and even uh, listened to stories of mom who wrestled. They said, Really, Lord, what is, what is my place? What is my purpose? And their, their children grow up to do amazing things and then look back and say, oh, wow, look what has been accomplished through my life because I was able to pour my life into my children. Focusing on Jesus, not circumstances. A great example for this is Peter. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 says, thinking about Jesus here, focusing on him. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, never quit, no extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Now, I know we read lots of books, and I encourage you to read lots of books. But if there's one person in history we should study, it's Jesus. Study how he did it. He's our ultimate example because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. He's our ultimate example. One guy who put his eyes on Jesus was Peter. And I want to give you his story out of Mark or Matthew chapter 14. This is when he walked on the water. Sometimes you give Peter a hard time because he got his eyes off Jesus and sank, but there was 11 other guys who never got out of the boat, so I'm just giving Peter full marks for getting out of the boat, right? And so, you know, the, the, the disciples here, they have been on an emotional roller coaster, and sometimes life is this emotional roller coaster. And you can either be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat. You can make up your mind. A thermometer just reads the temperature. It's hot, it's cold. That's all it can do. It just reads the temperature. A thermostat is different. A thermostat reads the temperature, but it is connected to a source of power. And when it's too hot, it's connected to a source of power that makes it cooler, that overcomes the circumstances. When it's too cold, it's connected to a furnace that heats it up, that overcomes the circumstances, and now it's warmer. And so we can be a thermometer and just go up and down with all the ups and downs of life, or we can be a thermostat and connect ourselves to a source of power greater than us, and we can overcome the circumstances of life along the way. I'd rather be a thermostat than a thermometer. One of the verses that we've been learning is that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. This is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And there's things that you have to overcome in your life. There's things I have to overcome in my life as we pursue the vision that God has for us. 
What happens here in this story is Peter is connected to a source of power greater than he is and helps him overcome the circumstance that he's in. We start off the chapter, tough times, they're grieving, John the Baptist, their good friend, is beheaded. You know what it's like when you have, go to a funeral service, one of your close friends dies, tragically beheaded. I mean, that would be an emotional down. Then they go to feeding of the 5,000, an emotional high, where literally, so miraculously, they take this, and a lot of work, take Roger's Arena and fill it up. That's about how many people they're feeding, men, women, and children, and they divide the people into groups of 50, they serve them all, after it's all over, Jesus said, now go pick up all the leftovers, you know, Jesus is green, he doesn't have any, he's cleaning up the park, it's all cleaned up after it's over, It's, it's the way to do it. And uh, that was an emotional high, and you're spent. Have you ever put on a big party, and when the party's all over, you guys go, oh, now I'm going to have something to eat, I'm going to sit down and relax. I think that's what they were feeling. And at that point, Jesus says to them, um, guys, I want you to get in the boat and row to the other side, 12 miles across the Sea of Galilee, and he sends them to the other side. That's one serious workout. And it's, it's a couple hours to get across the boat. On, on good timing or, or good weather, and they get out there, and they're right smack dab in the middle. It doesn't matter if they go this way or that way. It's the same distance. A great storm comes on, and they think they're going to die. These are veteran fishermen. They're in there. And they, here we have the lesson, because P- Jesus comes to them. He sees them in their struggle. He's been praying for them. He comes walking on the water. What's causing their turmoil, he's walking on top of it. There's a lesson for us there. Because when you go through life, when you're following what God has for you, you're going to hit some storms in your life. Were they obeying Jesus? Yes, they obeyed him. They got in the boat and they went to the other side. Just because you obey Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have some storms in your life. They obeyed him. They had a storm in their life. But in that storm, Jesus comes walking to them. And he sees them there struggling and he says, don't be afraid, it's I. They kind of freaked out, thought he was a ghost. He said, no, no, don't be afraid, it's I. He answers them immediately. And Peter says, hey, Lord, uh, if it's really you, tell me to come. Don't you like his boldness? And the Lord says one word, come. And on one word from his master, Peter, in his boldness, steps out of the boat, and he begins to walk on the water. And then he starts to look at the wind, and he goes, oh, my goodness, it's really windy out there. And we kind of have this picture of Peter walking on this calm sea. It's not calm. I don't know what it would be like, like walking up the wave and down the wave. Walking, oh, where are you, Jesus? And so he's, he's walking towards them. And they say, oh, these waves are really high. I could drown here. Well, you could drown if there's waves or not waves, Peter. And even if it was calm, you could drown. But he takes his eye off of Jesus, puts it on the circumstance, and in that place, he sinks. When you have your eyes focused on him, faith in Jesus takes you above the storm. He comes walking on your storm. He's above it. He's above and not beneath. And when you focus on him, you're above it. That thermostat kicks in. Faith is that link to a source of power greater than you are that elevates you above your circumstances. But if you take your eye off Jesus, that faith connection is broken. The good news is, Peter took his eye off Jesus but Jesus never took his eye off Peter, and he never takes his eye off of you. And as he's going down, Peter says, Lord, save me. 
Jesus doesn't give them a lecture. He doesn't say, Peter, I can't believe it. Man, we just fed the 5,000. Man, come on. Little girl's been raised from the dead and you're doubting me now? You can swim back to the boat, dude. Learn a lesson. That's not Jesus. Jesus oh, he reaches down and he lifts them up and he says, oh, what happened to your burst of faith? When he says, you have little faith. He says, you had a burst of faith. Why did you doubt? Just keep believing. Keep connected and you'll rise above it. So when we go through the storms of life, Make sure we keep our connection to the Lord. There's a good verse there for you, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. It says, for we, have, for we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Maybe that's you this morning. Lord, I don't know what to do with the circumstances in my life, but I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. You put something in my heart to do. It's not making sense right now. I'm in a storm but I'm going to focus on you. Lastly, we want to talk about this morning is reaching out to God's grace when we've strayed. We could talk about Jonah here. We don't have time to do that. Jonah's an example of a guy who had purpose. God gave him a vision, what he's supposed to do. He's called to be a prophet. He's called to be a speaker. And with that design, God says, hey, Jonah, will you go to Nineveh? And Jonah goes, are you kidding? I'm not going to Nineveh. You can get somebody else going to Nineveh. I'm going the other direction. He gets on a boat and heads the other direction. God interrupts him, kind of brings him back on course. Grace will put you back on track. And he, and he accomplishes. He had some attitude problems if you read the book, but God puts him back on course, and he finishes what God calls him to do. The good news is if we straight off course, God will bring us back. His grace allows us to complete what we've done. I think that's good news for a lot of us because sometimes we feel like, oh, man, I've messed up. When I was younger, I knew that I started, and I got sucked into that, and I I just should just throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Be like Peter. Reach out. God, save me. Lord, bring me back on track. Let me finish the race. He's so faithful. In the 1800s, there was this man who came up with an amazing invention. He invented dynamite. And when he invented it, he said, ooh, this would be a terrible tool if it was ever used in war. Well, the wars came, and it was used. And they started blowing everything up with it. He became very, very wealthy. Then the later part of that century, he picked up the paper one morning and he reads the paper and there his name is written there and says that he has passed away. He's reading it, but it says that he's passed away and that he made a lot of money selling dynamite in war and he died a very rich man. He goes, wait a minute, I'm not even dead. You got my, you've written about me, I'm not even dead yet. It was his brother that had passed away and they made a mistake and they wrote about him under his brother's life. He said, wait a minute, I, that was not my vision. That was not, that's my purpose is for peace, not that. He said, I changed my life story that day. And today you would know him as the man who gave us the Nobel Peace Prize. His name was Alfred Noble. He gave us the Nobel Peace Prize. He said, that was not my purpose. He had a course correction. He got back on track. What's your purpose? What are you doing? What's the vision for your life? Are you going to be like Paul? He said, I was not a disobedient to that heavenly vision that you've given to me. You'll have storms and challenges, but if we focus on Jesus, the author, the author, and the finisher. He started it, he'll finish it. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to living a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.